Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hi, Linda. Hi, Lana. We're in studio with the lovely Christine Higgins. She is a certified facilitator, speaker, and consultant who provides trainings, mentoring, and consulting services to teens, families, and private organizations through custom programs and public events. With a background in engineering and the arts, the corporate world, and the not-for-profit world, she moves easily between the practical and the heartfelt. Christine, welcome. Thank you so much, Lana and Linda. I'm very happy to be here with you today. So the first thing that I want to ask you about is in the conversations that we've been having thus far, uh, what we've noticed is sort of a pattern of people starting their life in a certain area of study or work, and then over time it changes to something almost like the opposite of what you would think. And there seems to be this... this, uh, movement between what they seem to be drawn to versus what they think they should be doing. Can you talk about your own experience? I'd be happy to. I'll take you back a ways down memory lane because when I was younger, I would say I particularly noticed it in high school. I know here you love talking about what we're seeing for ourselves and the wisdom that just bubbles up. And when I was in high school, that happened all the time naturally for me. I'd get an idea. One time, I one of my friends was headed to Washington, D.C., and I thought it would be really cool to go to Washington, D.C. as well. I wanted to, you know, be with her. She was on a school trip that she'd actually won. She'd won a competition and was headed over there. So I had no invitation, but I wanted to go. And my parents said, no, you know, we're not paying for that. So I used my own money and bought a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. Oh, my goodness. And you were living where? In Colorado. In Colorado. Okay, that was a long trip. It was a long trip. (laughs) How old were you? (laughs) I was 15 at the time. (gasps) It was the thing that bubbled up, the thing that I thought, wow, that would be really cool to do. And so... I had my one-way ticket. My The receptionist at my dad's office had a friend who lived in Washington, D.C., and so she coordinated a couch for me. And I went, and my parents were not going. They thought that that was a ridiculous thing to do. They were not going to buy my return ticket. And it was a few days before I left. I still did not have a return ticket. And I, at the time, I was on the school newspaper staff taking photos and stuff. And so the, uh, I forget, what do they call them? Advisor, the teacher advisor. Um, He ended up using their funds, the newspaper funds, to fly me home. So, but while I was there, um, I went to the Holocaust Museum Mm -hmm. at the Smithsonian. And while I was there, I heard a couple of older women saying, well, I knew that was going on, but I didn't want to do anything about it. You know, I was too busy. Um, And that really hit me. I thought, wow, how can you know about these things or know that, you know, and not do anything about it? And be too busy. And be too busy. At the time, there was the Bosnian conflict was going on, the Bosnian War. And I had heard of things going on there, genocide-type things going on there. A friend of mine had gone to Bosnia with a Catholic organization. There's a place in Bosnia called Medjugorje, and a lot of Catholics go there, um, 
on almost like a pilgrimage. What occurred to me when I hit, overheard these women saying I knew what was going on but didn't do anything was the Bosnia conflict came to mind because I had known someone that had gone to Bosnia and had told me some of these things um, that were happening there. Yeah. And so when I got back to Colorado, thank you to my teacher, I talked to my friend about it and we decided that we were going to go to Bosnia and take medical supplies over. Ah, you were going to be not too busy. I was going to be not too busy. Yeah. I was going to be able to tell my kids I knew what was going on. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you knew what was going on, and you did something about it. <laughs> and my poor parents. <laughs> so we told them our so we told our parents what we were up to, and my parents said, "You can go if you earn the money." And they never expected us to earn the money, ever. Uh, one of the things we did, we oh, we did all sorts of different things, but one of them was a 24-hour jump-a-thon on my trampoline in the backyard. I had earned the money and committed, yeah. so they let me go. So I went over with these two other kids. I was 16 when I left. I celebrated my 17th birthday while I was there. I think my friends were 17 and 18, so we're three teenagers. We flew into Germany. Then we caught a train to Zagreb, Croatia, and from there we got on a bus, went down the coast of Zagreb, and then the bus took us into Bosnia. And we did stay in Medjugorje most of the time. It was a relatively safe place to stay while the war was happening. So during part of our bus ride, going from Zagreb down to Split in Croatia, there was still fighting going on, and at this time it had gotten close enough to the coast um, we were on a bus at night, and they actually turned the lights of the bus off and took us off the land onto a piece of road that was floating on pontoons in the ocean, in the water. And we could see the tracers of the bullets in the distance. So this was their way of continuing travel without, without. endangering their passengers. That's remarkable. Um, it was it was unbelievable. Speaks and, to human creativity. Right. And to life going on yeah, despite in spite of yeah, mm -hmm. circumstances. Yeah. You know what I'm I'm also fascinated with that that going back to your trampoline idea, the creativity that you you both showed in terms of how are we going to raise the money? I'm curious as to, did you ever have any doubts that you would go? And what sparked, like, what did you tap into to come up with these ideas? That's the thing looking back that I absolutely love is that there was nothing to tap into. Mm -hmm. It just happened. It made sense. And not sense like pro-con list. Yeah. Any pro-con list would have nixed this idea 10 seconds in. Yeah. It was something different. It was, I wouldn't quite use the word calling because people take that word and take it very seriously and think, oh, I must. It was just a simple knowing. This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to go. And a way will show up just like that other airline to get back from Washington, yeah, D.C. shows up. I guess you could word, use the word faith, but it's not that I even had faith. That was just how the world worked. Yeah, you just did the next thing that occurred to you, right? 
and the next thing after that. Yeah, and they just yeah. showed up. I didn't have to plot or plan or think about it too much. Yeah. yeah. Mike Rowe, who's the one who hosts Dirty Jobs, he was just, he did a little uh, video about kids who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and how the parenting that we had was m much more space. There wasn't this overprotection, overthinking about, you know, how do I, how do I ensure my kid is, is, nothing bad is ever going to happen to them. And I think by allowing that, and we all survived, obviously, uh, but I, by allowing that, you're also allowing that natural creativity, ideas, knowing, and that trusting to just move from one thing to the next to naturally come out. And so, I mean, it's a blessing. Your parents, thank goodness. It was such a blessing. I have amazing parents. And I love that you articulated that, uh, Lana, because it's actually something that I see as my job as a parent. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book about it right now because I think that just how, as a child, I knew what I needed to do. My wisdom showed up. It's not like all of a sudden you become an adult and then wisdom shows up. Yes, and we tend to think that, don't we? That yeah. wisdom is for people, they gain it over time. Like it's a thing that you gain with age and experience. And that's not true. Not even a little bit. In fact, for me, it was the opposite. I kind of shut it down when I got older. And so if we can help parents see that their children have that and they can parent from a place of recognizing that wisdom within their kids, it makes for a completely different experience. I have a 15-year-old and I've spent time trying both methods, sometimes knowingly, sometimes not knowingly, and that space for their own wisdom to show up is just, the results are unbelievable, really. And you have homeschooled your children, right? Yes. From yes. the get-go, is that correct? Pretty much the town that I lived in only had all-day kindergarten. And when my son got to the age where it was time for him to go to kindergarten, I thought, wow, he just got fun. You know, I'm yeah. just now starting. I just got through the tedious part of diapers and chasing him, you know, making sure he's not running in, out into the street, those kinds of things. Yeah. And now he's a lot of fun. And... I'm supposed to put him on the bus in the morning at 8 o'clock or 8.30, whatever it was, and I'm not going to see him again until 3.30 in the afternoon, and I'm like, that's when he's still tired, so I'm going to get him home tired, and that's going to be my day, and then I'm not really free to do things outside of the school calendar, and that just didn't sound like a good idea to me, yes. and we've been homeschooling for 10 years now. And you do a lot of really great things with your kids. I am very fortunate. I have a husband who is fully on board with what we're up to. Probably our biggest adventure was in 2014. We spent three months camping along the Oregon Trail. We started in Massachusetts and went um, beyond Portland to oh the ocean, camped on the beach there for a while. Then we went down to the Redwood Forest, then over to Lake Tahoe, back through Colorado and up to Massachusetts again. And so the kids actually got to walk in the wagon ruts in Idaho. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. What a good experience. It was, it really brings it to life for them. It's stuff that it's just truly impossible to get even out of a TV show or a video of it.
the spirit of the place. So for them to have that visceral experience and then imagine people doing that in a covered wagon, they didn't get to hop into a truck with AC at the end, like, oh, this is oh, too much. Right. Let's yeah. like get out of yeah. here. Let's go to Starbucks where it's air, air conditioned. That wasn't a choice. So to have the kids really have that experience and then imagine what those people were doing, really the amazing feat to travel that territory in those conditions with what they had, yeah, it stuck with them for sure. Uh, you lost me at camping. <laughs> <laughs> but he was an inveterate camper. Yes. yes, we really admire you for that. Can I go back to Bosnia? <laughs> I want to now go back to Bosnia because I, I want to know what happened in the interim between you having that experience and bringing medical supplies there, having that just knowing and then, and then what did you do with your life after that? So when I came back, at first I have to say I had a bit of a culture shock coming back. So I came back and finished out my schooling and I shared. I would talk to anyone who would listen. After all of that and, you know, when you are in senior year, everyone's like, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? You hear that at least once a day, it seems. What are you doing next? And I didn't have a good answer to that question. I didn't know what I was doing next. And I thought I really needed to know. I thought it was important to know. I thought I needed a plan. And it was actually at that point that I consciously thought, oh, it's time to be an adult now. And I didn't have any adults in my life that were living from that wisdom within. Yeah, They were living from the tough it out cognitive, let's figure this out, pro-con list life, you know, or method. Yeah. So that's what I did. I did what I saw the adults doing, you know. Here's a list of the things I like. Here's a list of schools that look like they'd be a good place. Here's a list of things I need to do. And I ended up studying as ultimately as an engineer. It was not the thing that spoke to my heart. It was the thing that I was capable of doing. I liked math and science. It was a thing I was capable of doing and I thought would be a good career path. It yes. was the logical, quote unquote, adult decision. Decision. Yeah. decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So many of us have been there, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And and I made it. I did okay. I got what everyone would call a good job. Mm -hmm. uh, had, you know, had the resume all filled out. And it's a lot more work than just following your inner wisdom. How was it work? I think the distinguishing factor, because now I do things that I'm going to use that word again, called to do, because I don't know a better word to use, that I do things that occur to me to do, and I work a lot, which is to say, I spend many hours on my computer. I spend many hours having meetings and 
making phone calls and doing all those things that in my world qualify as work. The difference is in, again, this is something, words are kind of failing me here, but I would say the spirit behind it is very different. When I'm drawn to what I'm doing versus doing the thing that kind of makes sense. This is a good thing to do right now, you know, because it's the adult decision, the logical decision. The is what you're doing now, it makes sense in a different way, right? It makes sense to you what you're doing today. And how did you get from there to what you're doing today? Well, it was not a straight path, let me tell you. <laughs> For a time, I worked as an imaging scientist, and I was at Polaroid. And we, they had this program going, a knowledge transfer program. So basically, they were trying to bridge the communication gap between the engineering department and the marketing department. And to do that, they were using what's called neurolinguistic programming, or NLP. Oh, some people okay. may have heard, yeah. from, heard of it. I'm sure some of our listeners have, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I personally was not involved in that program, but my now husband was. And so we would spend a lot of our time after hours talking about that and the work they were doing, and I became very intrigued with it. So I started reading a number of books and following a few people that were in that world. And many years later, I think almost a full 10 years later, um, a man by the name of Michael Neal, who had been in that NLP, but sorry, in that NLP world, wrote a new book, um, The Inside Out Revolution. And I read that and I thought, oh, yes, it pointed back to that wisdom that was just naturally popping up in my life when I was a teenager, before I'd made the decision to, quote unquote, become an adult, yeah. the decision to be smart and logical. What he was talking about or pointing to seemed so valuable to me because in my own life, I had had basically half my life living the way he was talking about and ha the other half to that point living the other way, the cognitive, logical, yeah. you know, pre-planned way. And those first years were so much more rich. And I thought, everyone should know this. This is really fantastic. And that was when my parenting style changed a lot. I mean, I had had, thank goodness, the example of my parents who had let me follow what was of interest to me. Yes, and I could clearly. see that value. Yeah. So I wasn't a complete dictator, but... <laughs> But my parenting definitely changed uh, once I saw what he was pointing to. So now that's really how I spend my time. And I really love working with you know, teens, families, because if as a teenager, you know, I already had a sense of that anyway. And I think a lot of our kids do. So if we can just keep fostering that and not trying to close it over with the way that we think things should be done in the order they should be done for the best results. And the interesting thing about that is a lot of what we're doing when we do that, when we cut off the natural wisdom that's coming with, from within them, 
we're assuming we can predict the future. We're assuming that if our child attends these classes and if they do this and if they get these grades and if they do this, then they will have a better future. So we're doing it absolutely from a place of love and caring. Yeah. But also a completely um, overgrown misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. What I'm finding is there's a tremendous amount of kids, teens, even though they're doing all the quote unquote right things, they are so anxious and so depressed and they don't, they don't know how to get out of these feelings. They don't know what these feelings are. They don't know if this is how it's going to be for them for the rest of their lives. Are you seeing that more teens kind of in this kind of lost place of not knowing where to look? Yeah, and I think it's not just here. I think it's common pretty much everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Just it might have a different flavor to it. You know, here I think a lot of it is, you know, get the best SAT scores, take all your extracurricular activities, be the best you can, do this, do that. Get to the right school. Get Yeah, get accepted yeah. to the right institution, all those things. But I think even in areas that are not so academically inclined, I think the, it's all the same pressure mm -hmm. to go get the right job, to Accumulate buy the, the right, right things. things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think if we can, and the other thing you said, Lana, is absolutely true, where the teens are worried that this anxiety and these things will carry into the rest of their life. From what I've seen, they do. They do, yeah. And so by, act, by being able to connect with the teens and their parents and kind of change that trajectory, it then has a far-reaching impact down the road because instead of being, you know, like me in their mid-30s when they figure out, oh, I had it right the first time, they mm -hmm. get to figure yeah. that out a whole lot earlier. Yes. I, it's such a great revelation on your part to see that transition. I mean, you discovered it with reading the experiences you had, obviously at Polaroid, but then um, reading Michael Neal's book had a great impact on you, and then how you took that opportunity. I mean, you listened to something inside. You became reflective about how your life had been and what you could see. So really, you had an insight. It is the nature of life when it we is. start to yeah. see it. And it's yeah. awesome. It's like a continual evolution um, of mental well-being and contentment, happiness, all those things that we're really looking for when we're out trying to get the right job or buy the right things. Yeah. So today you're um, mentoring, you're speaking, uh, workshops, anything else that you would like to, for our listeners to know about? Because I know you're very, you have a lot of things in the works. <laughs> I do. I still stay busy, quote unquote, working. Yeah. Um, I, it just doesn't feel the same, does it? Right? It's no. not struggle, it's ease about your work. So work takes on a whole different dimension. That's how it sounds. Yeah, ease, passion. So you asked some of the things that I'm working on. Yeah. I'm putting a retreat together. Linda and I are actually doing an online course this fall. And I'm looking towards January to t start some after school programs. And there are days where 
it's not fun. You know, I don't want to give people the impression that this is like, ooh, I have rainbows shooting out my eyeballs and I'm like <laughs> yeah, sitting at my computer. Right. Yay, I can't wait to write this email. <laughs> it does not look like that. There are days where I'm like, do I have to open my computer? However, there's something that lies deeper than that. And when I was doing my old work, I could still have those, you know, do I have to sit at my computer and analyze this system that just It didn't have that underlying energy behind it that was kind of pulling the entire thing forward. Yeah. So it's not that every moment is beautiful and perfect, but there's something a little, not a little, a lot deeper. And if you want to call that wisdom, energy, spirit, I don't know what... The, the word is specifically, but that underlying pull to be working on the projects that I'm working on. Yeah. And that's what makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And I think that can carry you through. There's not a hollowness to it anymore. You know, and I, I think struggle lies on top of that hollowness, not really seeing that there is something more at work within. And then being able to appreciate that by by coming from that place as you're doing your work yeah and it's interesting because there's this notion of finding your calling finding the specific thing that you're supposed to be doing with your life which is interesting because it actually also puts more pressure on us to mm -hmm. be finding the right yeah. work. And if I look back, all those things that I've done have actually been completely helpful for the thing I'm doing now. I learned along the way. It wasn't like, oh, man, I wish when I was 20 I had just found the thing. You know, I wish I'd started doing this, you know, 20 years ago. It is a natural progression and... It just gets easier when we're not fighting between listening to our wisdom and trying to do it the right way. Yeah. And I think so many people in the self-development world are doing just that. I need to find my why as though it's something out there that you're going to get. And you have not done that. No. No. <laughs> It's just, I've, I've stumbled through it and I have found my why. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. It was there all along. It was there all along. <laughs> I just, just didn't know it. When I take friends that come to visit and I take them to Boston and I show them Harvard, there's this, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, Linda, but there's this one archway and there's an inscription above the archway and it says, enter here for wisdom, or I'm paraphrasing. And it always like, even before I, we talked about wisdom, it always irked me because I thought, no, 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 no. You don't go to school for wisdom. Right, That's yeah. not something you teach <laughs> yeah. or acquire. Just like we talked about earlier, like we think wisdom is something you acquire as you get older. No, 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 no. There's, there's this wisdom that's innate within all of us. And when we connect with it, when we have a relationship with it, it just can 
can sort of provide the breadcrumbs in our lives that we follow. But I think it's also interesting and important to note that there there needs to be also a dance between wisdom and that knowing and our intellect. So it's not to say that intellect can be dismissed and it's not useful, but rather, you know, that old quote, the master and the servant, you know, the intellect needs to be the servant of wisdom, of our knowing, and and be used that way. I am so glad you brought that up because it's one of my favorite, favorite topics because I am still a science nerd despite what I do now. And what I would call, I think that archway should probably say knowledge. Yes. Mm-hmm. knowledge. That would be more appropriate. Knowledge yeah. versus yeah. wisdom, yeah. right? Yep. And I had the really great pleasure of working at the Roland Institute for Science, which is now owned by Harvard, but I worked there before they purchased it. It was kind of this scientific utopian place started by Edwin Land, the founder of Polaroid. The way the building is designed, it's rectangular. And on the main floor, um, there's a courtyard. So the labs are all around the outside of the rectangle. And in the center, there is a courtyard, a beautiful, beautiful courtyard, the glass ceilings, trees, benches, almost like you've stepped outside for a few minutes. It was the place you could go when you were doing your research, when you just needed to let it all go. You could call it a meditation garden, a reflection reflection garden, whatever you want to call it. But it was a place where you could actually let all of your knowledge go for a minute and listen to the wisdom that popped up. And that's where most of the good ideas came from. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and they recognized that. That's what was so cool was that they recognized that, yes, you need the knowledge that this lab is where they slowed the speed of light down to like 38 miles an hour or something like that. You're not going to do that without knowledge. Mm -hmm. But it's also going to take a lot of fresh thinking and new ways of looking at what you're up to to do something that no one's done before. I'd love for you to tell people about Inspired Storm. It's a great, it's a great name and your inspiration for it and then how they could connect with you. So Inspired Storm was really fun. My husband and I came up with it together. I was talking about this creativity that flows through us when we're able to see it, when we're not getting in our own way. And I said, it's like a brainstorm, but it's more than a brainstorm because it's, it's really exciting and it's full of this really beautiful new things. And he's like, you mean like inspired? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, oh, perfect. So that's where Inspired Storm came from. And you can just go to inspiredstorm.com. I have a place to sign up for my newsletter. It shows what events I'm offering. And there are a few little pieces of writing. I hope to be adding more for people that want to get a taste of what I'm up to. Okay, perfect. Fantastic. Well, it it's always a delight. <laughs> Thank you Likewise. for coming in. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. It's really Thank fun. You, Lana. Yes. Thanks, Linda. <laughs> I'll see you next time on another see you glorious next time. day. <laughs> on another, they're, they're only glorious when only. I come here. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone in case it rains the next time. <laughs> Thanks, Linda. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes.